Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 120 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. In this episode, the tables are turned and Graham Phillips is interviewing Louise and I. We appeared on his podcast in September. We thought we'd share this episode with you. Graham's podcast is called Prolongevity. If you want to hear the episodes we've done with Graham, they are episodes 19, 29 and 82. As I'm recording this, today is Boxing Day, the 26th of December, 2022. Louise is away with her family for Christmas, so just me here today. So what I'd like to do is wrap up this year by saying thank you. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to our listeners for your support. Thank you for those who support the podcast by pledging some money. And thank you for those of you who are part of our Facebook group, for all of you, listeners, pledgers and Facebook group, we wouldn't be here without you. So thank you very much. And I know that Louise would join me if she was here in wishing you a happy and healthy new year. Enjoy this episode, which is slightly different to our usual format, but hopefully you'll gain some insight and something that you can take away to put in place for 2023. Hello and welcome to the latest version of the Prolongevity podcast and I'm delighted to have with me today two ladies who have become good friends of mine who I met quite early on in the journey who are the fabulous ladies from the fabulous, uh, Fabulously Keto podcast, Jackie Fletcher and Louise Reynolds. Welcome both of you. Thank you. Good to see you again, Graham. Good to see you both. Um, Jackie, where are you? I am in... Essex in England, just outside of Epping. So for anybody that knows motorways, it's where the M25 crosses the M11. And, and Louise, I think you're somewhere altogether more exotic. Well, I wish it was a little bit warmer, but yes, I have sort of moved from Bangkok, Thailand and um, back relocated on Australian soil uh, in Melbourne, Melbourne, Victoria. Fabulous city. Whereabouts in Melbourne are you? I'm over it. Well, the West is best. So I'm on the Western side of the city. And um, yeah, so just very multicultural. So it's actually really lovely that I can just go and maybe go to the Asian grocers or there's actually some, you know, lovely European continental delis. So feels like I'm, I can walk to Hanoi and then I can just pop over to Rome. So um, yeah. yeah, with a little bit of Athens on the side as well. Uh, absolutely. I, I, you may not know this about me, but I'm a bit of a coffee fetishist. And of course, Melbourne's oh. got the best coffee in the world. So yeah, dead job. I, I am loving it. And um, <laughs> so my name is Louise and I am a coffee snob. So um, just wandering the city in the little laneways and stopping for a little sort of espresso, shot of espresso is actually really lovely. So great to have you both. And I kind of feel that you're old friends. Um, I think I've done three podcasts with you guys. And today we've turned the tables a bit, hunter turned game coacher or whatever you want to want to call it. Um, and be a bit of a three-way chat, but I'm going to make some attempt to interview you if that's as possible. I thought it would be interesting to start with your own personal journeys because everyone I've had on the podcast has had their own journey that's led them to where they are. So since, since you're in the frame, Louise, perhaps you'd start. Well, uh, my well, certainly my weight gain journey started with a very at the end of a very unhappy marriage. And um, as I sort of 
came to understand more about this was obviously, as Dr. Phil would say, I was having a party in my mouth. So um, I was just obviously eating my emotions. And, you know, it was a particularly stressful time at the end of a marriage. I then was single parenting, a child with special needs. I was new to the university, so university academic. So, you know, workload was particularly stressful. Doing a PhD, just throw that in. And, um, yeah, so as you do. Single parent, special needs child, working working very hard, very stressful. So I was eating, obviously, um, eating my emotions, so very unhappy. And I grew, obviously, um, grew, my unhappiness grew on me. And I ended up being 134 kilos, which um, you're going to have to remind me is about 295 pounds. And I think we worked it out, Jackie, how many stone that was for. Was it 16 stone or something? Well, it it was a lot. And no, not 16. Uh, but, 20. I was 16 stone. You, you were, were 16. 20. So stone. at that time, you know, here I am. I'm, you know, obviously an educated woman, but obviously wasn't really caring for myself. And, you know, a lot of things were I should have known better or I should be doing things better. So I, you know, I did all manner of things. You know, I did all the weight loss that you could ever think of. You know, I did the eat less, move more, hire a personal trainer. I did, um, you know, meal replacement. I did the shakes and all those sorts of things. So so calorie restrict, lose weight, but obviously put it back on. I had a student who came to me and said, um, amazingly, she'd lost some weight. And it's just like, well, what did you do? And she said she had some weight loss surgery. And I said, tell me more. What is this thing? So I Went to the literature and I found obviously what the literature was for various, you know, lap band, bypass and um, vertical sleeve. And um, so I ended up sort of interviewing some interviewing in inverted commas um, with the literature. So all highlighted and um, marked up. And I said to them, tell me a bit more about this. What are the risks? You know, what are, what are your personal sort of concerns with this? And I ended up having a vertical sleeve gastrectomy. And that was in 2012. And that got me to a certain point. So by that time, I was 134 kilos, and that got me down to just in the 90 kilos. So it was considerable weight loss, but it wasn't. um, wasn't, Maybe give a very basic explanation of what a a sleeve gastrectomy is, because people hear about gastric bypasses and so on. I think it's useful for people to understand. So the lap band was the restriction, so that little band, but the vertical sleeve gastrectomy is when the surgeon actually gives you a permanent solution and it restricts your tummy size to the size of a banana. The reason I chose that option, just to sort of, you know, give you the heads up, I tried everything and I really wanted to know that I couldn't, I didn't want the um, the lap band because it's inflatable, you can, you know, you can go back. I really wanted a permanent solution, which got me, 40 kilos down. Then I had a motorcycle accident and I sustained some very critical injuries. And, um, you know, obviously dealing then with chronic pain. So I was still a little bit overweight. Unbeknownst to me, my mum had already started low carb. She'd found the real meal revolution and she was already doing, you know, had some weight loss. And she said, I think I've got a solution for your chronic pain. What's that? And she goes, low carb low carb do you mean like we I can actually eat fat now and so she sort of obviously introduced me and that was at the end of 2015 and subsequent to that then I've lost um another 25 kilos so in total I've lost a a total of 65 kilos but the good thing is I've seen my um I really want to be very public about having weight loss surgery because I think I really want to remove the stigma that it's a tool for my total weight loss, and but I've kept it off by using and staying um, low carb keto now since 2015. So a lot of people that have the surgeries tend to still maintain their same eating habits and regain, and which yeah. is really unfortunate that they didn't have the knowledge or insight or support to go, um, you know, to choose the a way of eating that sort of uses their surgery as a as a tool and if you'd had your time again would you still have the surgery or do you think you could have fixed it just with the low carb ask the hard questions (laughs) and 
You know, it's what my mum said to me, and it's a really interesting, isn't it? It's a bit like, you know, that movie Sliding Doors? If I had my time again. But interestingly, one of the meal replacement shakes that I did do, and I had great success with it, uh, was low carb. So I think, you know, for my journey, it because I've seen it, it's not the be all and end all. It's not the, it wasn't the panacea. It was a tool that got me to a point from which I have you know, really embraced it and support it well. And it's looked after me now since 2012. I'm coming up to my 10th anniversary, you know, in feeling invigorated, you know, a second life, you know. Yeah, so I think I, I jury's still out on that one. Uh, you look fabulous today, so it's Thank obviously you. all worked. <laughs> and w- what do you do for work? Because you've got quite I- a... Oh, yes. Well, high powered career. Um, I am a course chair or a course lead, like UK. I'm a course lead in paramedicine. So I was Australia's first female paramedic to get her PhD. So leading, leading the, um, you know, the professionalization of of paramedicine. So, um, yeah. So course chair, big banana, I like to call myself. And what was the PhD theme? Yeah, in paramedicine. So I was describing, um, like paramedic operations so um yeah fantastic jackie it's, it's your turn for scrutiny <laughs> <laughs> under the spotlight jackie <laughs> so my story is a bit more like yours graham in that i was always fat my granddad was nicknamed cannon after the 70s detective because he was so big that was his nickname and my dad was big and so i grew up with this thick feeling of I will be big too. Mm. And I, you know, I don't know if I self-manifested it or whatever it's genes, I don't know. But of course, I was always the one that was overweight. Now, of course, when I look back, I wasn't overweight. I was just a normal kid. But compared to all my friends who are all very skinny, I felt very fat. Mm. And and that went on. And I was, I think I went to my first Weight Watchers thing when I was about 12 or 13. So that's when I started dieting. And I tried all sorts of things through my teens, um, but I never could sustain it. I would do three weeks and then it's like, oh, I give up. Um, so nothing was ever sustainable for me. Then in when I was um, later on in my teens, I had for many years, but I didn't know I had it, was a tumour on my ovary. Uh, when they took it out, when I was just before my 18th birthday, it, they said it was the size of a um, UK soccer ball, football. Um, and they took away the tumour and one and a half ovaries and my appendix. So it all came out. Um, but what I didn't know, which I've learned now, is that that affects all your hormones. So then I just ballooned. And by the time I was 19, I was something like, I know what it was in kilos. And although I think in stone, I I was 90 kilos at the time. And so my weight has always been up and down, but always trending upwards. And even in my 20s, I was trying different diets. By the time I got to my 30s, I'd sort of given up. Diets don't work. What's the point? I can't do it. And so... I didn't try very much, although I was I tried detoxes. It was always there in the back of my mind thinking about I need to lose some weight, I need to lose some weight. Um once I got married, my weight steadily increased. Um and by the time I'm trying to think back, but probably 2015, 16, oh no, even from 2009 I was about 15 and a half stone and then coming up to 2016 17 my weight just went really high so I went up to 16 and a half stone and I put that down to I we had a business that was very stressful at the time I was often working nights and um so stress lack of sleep all that stuff going on um my weight just ballooned and I and eating again eating lots of bread mainly bread and potatoes and my weight went up to 16 and a half stone and then I came across Gary Taub's book why we get fat and that started to make sense I started to make changes I didn't do 
low carb properly or keto. I didn't look into it. I just read his book and cut out potatoes and pasta and wheat and not even sugar. I was still eating chocolate, but I've never been a massive chocolate eater. I eat it, might eat it regularly, but I only have small amounts. So the weight started to come off. Um, And then about the beginning of 2018, I I read um, another book, which then got me into keto. So it was more about keto. And I so I started making changes. And so in the five years that I've been low carb keto, I've reduced uh, three and a half, fluctuate three and a half to four stone, around 20 to 25 kilos. Um, and that's where I am now. But you also think feel a lot better for it as well. It's not just the weight is almost the least important aspect of it. It's that feeling of well-being and, you know, mood and not energy. Only, yeah. And also the mental thing of, so before I had a lot around, um, I can't do it, I'm not motivated, I can't sustain anything, I'm not good at anything, all those thoughts. So so the the weight or not being able to diet um, was influencing all areas of my life. So now it's almost like I can do anything. Um, obviously I still have times of doubt and self-doubt, but most of the time is I can do things. I can sustain it. I can. Don't forget that you're not angry. Remember how you would always be very quick to anger and now you're calm blue oceans. Yeah, that's (laughs) true as well. Yes. So I used to scream around at the kids and now I don't. My migraines have lessened. Um, gallbladder I had kept having I still occasionally have minor gallbladder attacks but nowhere near you know not in eight hours of pain as I used to be things like that so lots of different changes yeah because I think because we all focus on the weight myself included because that's what you can see but it's what you can feel isn't it that really is the transformation because I see go on Louise yeah, but like we say, you know, you come for the weight loss, but you stay for everything else. And, yeah. you know, the thing about, you know, inherently, obviously low-carb keto is a low inflammatory, you know, and you think about all those things and systems which are affected by inflammation. And, you know, certainly for me, having a chronic pain disorder from, you know, all the the injuries and the trauma that I had, you know, I've got a, such a, you know, frontal reason not to not to be you know going back so I think yeah sure I've lost the extra the extra weight so it's really impressive to say oh I've lost you know a small person you know 65 kilos but for me every day being able to to move and to exercise and to strength train particularly being perimenopausal I need to retain all my lean body mass for my bone strength and bone density being able to move because of the weight, but inherently because of the lack of pain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I was going to say, if you look at me, I mean, you, you see me, Graham, we met personally, we've met. I'm still overweight. I am still overweight, but I feel so different now yeah. in my 50s. I feel better than I did in my teens. You know, in my teens, I was really quite ill. Not that I knew what was going on, but I was really quite ill. And all through my 20s, 30s, 40s, I feel better now than I did at any point that I can remember in my life. And I can, you know, move easily. I I, I talk about often um, back in 2017, if I was to kneel down on the ground, I couldn't get up. Mm-hmm. And I would have to lean on furniture and heave myself up whereas now I can sit down and get up and you told us about putting your hands on your head and sitting down and getting up I can do that it's not elegant I can't squat down and sit sit but I can get down onto my knees onto my butt back back up and back up again without my hands predictor of your future uh, longevity yeah yeah you know it's amazing because because I know after your your interview, like Jackie and I were sort of, you know, we were on Zoom and we, we, we were trying this out and it wasn't pretty, but it, oh my gosh, it's hard. It's hard yeah, to sort of, you know, hard. coordinate everything. So, yeah, yeah. it is because it's lower strength, it's upper body strength, it's coordination, it's everything. Yeah. 
Brilliant. So, um, so you two guys are not obvious bedfellows. What what brought you together? Well, I think um, Jackie tells the story that um, I was actually on a podcast, a keto woman. So um, Daisy Brackenhall uh, was a good good friend through some keto circles, and she had her keto woman podcast. And uh, Jackie Jackie heard an episode, and where I was living and working in in the UK, I was teaching at a local Essex university, and Jackie goes. Ooh, I might go and reach out to her. And um, as it was, I was I was in Australia. I think it was Christmas time, so I was back home. And um, so we got to catch up um, in downtown Sunny Chelmsford. And, um, yeah, so that's how the relationship um, started. And how long ago was that? The beginning of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So, Amazing, and it was and it was really good. It was really good to have. Um, I think you know, for me, so obviously, you know, there's. I was working, living, and working there, but you know, like having a having a keto friend, um, you know, just to have close by, and yeah, it was really really good. And I think for Jackie, you know, you were bouncing ideas off at the little cafe, um, just off the high street. And you'd already done a lot of content development. You had done your your YouTube. And I remember sitting there in the cafe and saying, Jackie, you need to start a podcast. <laughs> and it's just like, and I felt like I was going, Jackie, you need to get, get out there and you need to be spreading the message because you had all these ideas mm. and you'd already created the content. And it's like, right, Jackie, the best thing you can do is start your own podcast. So. But you'd already thought of it anyway. So I, I was just, it, but you pushed me. I was, just, I was the firm hand pushing you along. Yeah. But well, actually, we became closer when you left Chelmsford because when she was in Chelmsford, she was always off. I'm off to Amsterdam. I'm off to Poland. I'm off to Norway. She was always <laughs> traveling all over Never Europe. home. <laughs> and so I didn't see her much when she was in Chelmsford, but the we got much closer when she actually left. So, yeah. I was, I call it my, I was having my developmentally delayed backpacking gap year abroad. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so then we were, on. yeah, then I was in, in Bangkok, um, Thailand, because my, um, my partner had a, he's in the military. So he got posted to, to Bangkok. So I really, you know, Jackie's been such a great friend, you know, always on the end of a Zoom call. Drying my eyes and telling me it'll be okay. It looks okay. It certainly looks okay. It's good. So, tell us about the podcast then, Jackie. Because um, how did that arise, and how did the two of you end up working together on it? So, um, what happened was I'd been thinking about doing a podcast for quite a while, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm a great thinker and not a great doer. <laughs> But I, it was that imposter syndrome of, I don't think I can do this. And um, Daisy, so Daisy from the Keto Woman, I was thinking, oh, can I encroach? Can I do this? Can I encroach on her space and things like that? So anyway, I spoke to Louise and she said, oh yes, yes, yes. And so I reached out to Daisy and she said, yes, go for it. So I was starting to do it, and I'd started to do some interviews, and. I was working towards that. And then I would listen to another podcast and they were up to their hundredth um, episode. Yeah. And it was two of them. And I said to Louise, thinking that she'll say no, because she's a busy lady. I said, do you want to join me on the podcast? Because she'd been helping me in the background. She'd been helping me do things. So do you want to join me? And to my surprise, she said yes. Um so then we had to wait because she had a lot of marking to do and all sorts of things. So it, the launch went moved from something like May of 2020 to um, September? October. 2020. October. Yeah, and I think I was a fairly early guest at that at that point, wasn't I? You were not. Your first one was 19. Yeah. And talking about 100, you're not far off 100 now, are you? Is it 80? High eighties now. Um, we we're releasing. So at the time of the recording now, we're releasing episode ninety nine. So next week is one hundred. Mm. So what are you doing to celebrate another hundred? We have a special guest. Excellent. Look forward to that. 
really look forward to it. Well, we've actually got two special guests. We've got our hundredth episode, and we're coming up to our second year anniversary. So, yeah. So I think you know two milestones of you know being able to. Jackie does. I mean, I have to give Jackie all the credit because I'm just the the plucky comic relief sidekick and um so Jackie does all of the production you know writes all the social media you know does all that content creation so you know she's a very busy woman you know you get the get the guests in I just turn up and make a crack a few jokes and just yeah (laughs) you were just a complete freeloader in other words (laughs) I'm just a plucky sidekick (laughs) She's also the brains as well. <laughs> oh, Jackie, you give me too much credit. You 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 do all the hard slog. That's that's for sure. But you know, the conceptualization, the operationalization, the production, the content creation. You know, I I I just was that firm handed in your back, <laughs> that tick in your side. Everyone needs, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I always I got the most. If you know Debbie, my PA, and I always introduce her and say, "Behind every successful man is a totally astonished woman." Meet my totally astonished woman, you know. So I completely <laughs> get that. So, um, Jackie, when you're not podcasting, what's the rest of your life like um, these days? Quite often, still busy with um, trying to do stuff around the podcast so it does take a long time yeah um, plus I'm coaching as well um so getting all that stuff in place is takes time uh I do taekwondo so I am going for my black belt in November so Fantastic. we'll see how that works um and I do have recently in since last October taking up um open water swimming so I do swimming and so we swim locally at a lake, but we sometimes go off other, to other places. So last weekend we were off at Canary Wharf swimming in the dock there. Um, what else do I do? I spend time with my mom. My mom's on her own. My dad died in 2009. So most afternoons you'll find us playing cards, something like that. Um that's it really and studying I'm always studying so I'm currently doing a primal fitness course and then I've got another one planned a sports nutrition course that I've got planned in my head so a lot of studying as well brilliant so and don't forget that she's a wife and a mother of twin twin adult sons so you know there's just you know just that other stuff that's just you know by the by just fit in somehow yeah yeah anyway just don't worry about the don't worry about the boys <laughs> uh, they're off doing their own thing. How, how are kids? Cooking, so I'm not I'm not a great housewife. I'm not a great housewife. <laughs> um, of course, um, I'm hoping people will use this as a platform and go back to the podcast because everything that we've covered is obviously done in greater detail in the in the podcast. Um, but one thing that I, I particularly wanted to you call yourselves fabulously keto, and this is a word that's bounded around banded around a lot these days. Apparently, it's the most researched diet now, keto diet. But it can mean, well, it can't mean almost anything you want it to mean, but it can certainly mean quite a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And it can be healthy, but it doesn't have to be healthy. So just tell us from your perspective, joint perspective, what do you think keto is in practice? What are the myths? What are the practicalities? What are the realities of it? So what is keto? And um, episode two of the podcast actually goes through that in a yep. little bit more detail. But um, in a nutshell, it's just the therapeutic restriction of carbohydrate. So carbohydrate being one of the three macronutrients, like carbs, protein, and fat. So by reducing your, your carbohydrates, that then switches your body's fuel from being primarily glucose to fat. And that's where obviously, you know, people do actually see that, you know, the benefits of weight loss comes from. And but what that really does is thinking about, um, I know you like this one, about the insulin. It's all about the insulin. So yep. the therapeutic restriction of um of of carbohydrate enables the insulin to be lowered so your fat can be used as the primary fuel. So what is the practicalities? What does that look like? Like Jackie said, when she first started, she cut out the the pastas, the grains, the wheat, the sugars. 
So it's anything that is sugar or can be your body sees as sugar is obviously restricted. What that restriction is, whether you're low carb or you're keto. So keto is obviously, you know, typically less than 20 grams of, of carbohydrate. So, but that's still, you know, as you said, good and bad, but it's, you know, the lower carb people will be, you know, maybe 50, 75, 100. So it's, it's, it's a sliding scale. So whether you're low carb or keto, what that means for daily, you know, that means that you're not eating the breads, the pastas, the rice, the grains, um, the the flours, the, the starches. So because what we want you to do is lower your insulin, access your fat for fuel. On your plate, you're going to be preferentially um, prioritizing fatty proteins, starchy, not starchy, the non-starchy, leafy green vegetables you know, um, and that can also mean, you know, cauliflower, but not potato, not your sweets, your turnips and those sorts of things. So anything that's high carb stays off the plate, but, you know, a nice, you know, maybe juicy steak or pork belly is one of my favorites. Lamb chop, love a good lamb chop, you know, some leafy greens drizzled with a bit of butter and you're, then you're on your way. So Jackie, I know we talked about the myths, you know, and some of those myths you you can you can talk to. Well, I think one of the, the big ones is that um particularly in the medical profession, if somebody doesn't know about ketosis, they confuse it with ketoacidosis, um, yeah. which is a state that will affect mostly type 1 diabetics or insulin dependent type 2 diabetics so it's a state where the ketones get too high but if somebody is not on insulin there is no reason and their body is making um, ketones and insulin there is no reason why those ketones should go as high because they're they sort of regulate each other so the insulin regulates the ketones yeah um so that's a big one because people get fearful about it and there's really nothing to be afraid of um if you're not even if you are type 1 diabetic you can still do keto so there's plenty of um, people out there that are type 1 diabetics that are doing keto and there's doctors that are you we know dr ian lake and um we've interviewed hannah botis um, and these are type 1 diabetics who are actually using a low-carbohydrate ketogenic diet to yeah. manage their insulin as well, so to keep that low. Um, and the other one is, which I think you alluded to before, Graham, is that there is a good way of being in ketosis and there's not a good way of yeah. being in ketosis. And I think both Louise and I advocate real food. Yeah. It's about real food and not eating whatever, eating to your macros. So you could eat things out of a packet, you, lots of processed foods, that, and you could still be keto. You you could go to McDonald's every day and have just have the burgers, burger patties. But for me, I would rather make my own patties and have real meat that I know what the meat is in it. And um, so I think. And who knows what else is in those burger patties? I don't know. So if I was desperate and out and starving, which is highly unlikely, um, then, you know, I might be tempted to have a burger patty from McDonald's, but, you know, that it doesn't sit well with me. So there's there's ways of doing it. There's a lot of people will have, they show me their keto foods. Look at this. And it's, eh, but what's in it? And yeah. all those, it's still processed foods. So yeah. I personally stay away from processed foods. And then the other one is about exogenous ketones. So thinking that you can lose weight by just taking some exogenous, meaning you drink it or eat it, the ketones from outside your body, and it will have the same effect. But the actual miracle that is happening, it's not a miracle because it's our body and that's what it does, is that our body is changing the state of what it's burning, the substrate of what it's burning, so what it's tapping into. And so we want it to tap in to the fat on our body that has been there for, in my case, 
50 years um, Same. <laughs> then, then burn the ketones that I'm going to drink. So it's not just about the ketones. It's about the process that your body goes through in order to use up the glycogen and then start burning the fat. I agree. That's why I always sort of tend to talk about not just a keto diet, but a well-formulated keto diet. Yeah. Because you could eat seed oils all day and that would be keto. Yeah. But it certainly wouldn't be healthy. No. Devoid of micronutrients, poison of mitochondria, damage your cell membrane. So I, I guess this is my concern now is that as there's more and more demand for keto, the food industry will just use that as another, just like Diet Coke, right? Yeah. Exactly. If Diet Coke was going to solve diabetes, it's had 20 years to do it. I can't see much improvement. Yeah. Um, is that the food industry will just hijack the latest thing with like they've done with veganism. They'll see the next opportunity to be keto and create a low ultra processed, unhealthy food devoid of micronutrients that is technically keto. And I yeah. think we have to be as a movement, you know, very aware of, of all of that. Yeah. I, I, I see there's there's already lots of lots of products on out there. Yeah. And I see them and sometimes I will look on the back. I've got one on my desk now and I look on the back. And it's not bad, you know, but I, it's been on my desk for a year now. <laughs> and it's still there. I've still got some other I have tried the others, but it's not something that I would go to easily because to me it's still got a lot of products in and it's still um ingredients and it's still yeah. processed so i probably should just throw it away and i think the other big point for me is that we kind of obsess about the macros the proteins the fats and the carbs and that's a gross oversimplification because true nutrition you know doesn't come from calories true nutrition comes from micronutrients it's the micronutrients which provides the building blocks for our cellular processes our cells and our whole being and it's very tempting to just fall into this easy trap of just playing with the macronutrients and ignoring the micronutrients. And then that way you can have, you know, you can satisfy a theoretical situation, but you're actually having a completely nutritionally deficient diet and you'll be no healthier and arguably even less healthy. So I, yes. it's complex. It's complex. It is. I basically think in that that's complex. But if you eat real food, it's pretty easy. Yes. And I my my food is very plain, very simple, but it's just real food. And I don't mess around too much and I don't we don't do a lot of different recipes and I don't do any much baking. I will occasionally, but not very often. It just tends to be meat, vegetables, some strawberries, square of chocolate here and there. Keep it really simple. And do you also vary the times of day that you eat and um do you get do things like fasting, time restricted feeding, you know, maybe one meal a day, two meals a day? What, what, what kind of approach have you got to all of that? It certainly is a mixed bag. And yeah, I think this is. is where it gets really interesting. And this is this is like Jackie is my yin to my yang. You know, we 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 do keto completely differently because Jackie's got a family. She doesn't cook a lot. Julian does the cooking for her and the boys. And um, so certainly while I'm here um, now, um, so my partner is still in, in Bangkok. So I'm here by myself. So I'm bachelor girl. And um, so things, you know, change and shift with seasons and, and yeah. situations. So last year was really interesting. So Jackie and I started a hundred day alternate day fasting. We'd had some really good success. Um, so Jackie more so with with a different pattern of fasting. So we'd do it, you know, two two longer sort of forty hour fasts. But what we ended up doing was Jackie said, "Right, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Hundred days of alternate day fasting." I was like, "Okay, let's go." <laughs> So I loved it. It was so good. I didn't have to cook for one day yeah. and I could really feast and fast and, and this pattern went on. So much so, loved it so much. Then because um, we were living in, in Thailand, which is a Buddhist country, there's Buddhist Lent. So, and of course, being Lent, you have to give up something. So we gave up food <laughs> on the every other day. So we yeah. continued on for um, Buddhist Lent goes for 88 days. So in actual fact, my 100 days turned into 188 days. So that was wow. six six months. 
And did of you literally day do fasting. All, alternate day fasting consistently for that whole period? That's impressive. It was for me, for my body, it shifted these little creepy kilos that had crept up. So, you know, and I actually got down to my high school weight. Fantastic. It was absolutely just exactly what my body needed. Mm. But being the yin to my yang, Jackie went, mm, not working for me. I'm I'm bunking out. You know, that's that sort of didn't didn't suit me. I know, Jackie, we had tried so many different other sort of regimes, but mostly, you know, when we're back everyday keto or everyday low carb, we do the time restricted eating. Jackie is more pure. So she's the the pure time restricted eating with only having water. I'm a bit of a soft time restricted eating. I have to have some coffee with cream. So it's not pure fasting, but I'm food absent until lunch. But um, I know that I'm having some sneaky, sneaky, clutchy calories with the cream. But the 16-8 seems to work naturally. So that means for me, you know, one to two meals a day. I try not to do one meal a day because, one, I can't. With a tummy the size of a banana, I can't seem to pack yeah. everything in. Yeah. In You know, that I can't do that. And I know from having done some body scans, some DEXA scans, that I'm at risk of losing some lean body mass because I'm not getting enough protein. Yeah. And now that I'm in my now that I'm in my twilight years, I need to be obviously very mindful of maintaining my adequate protein for my lean body mass yeah. to to maintain my muscle for my bones. So um yeah. Sorry so, to interrupt Jack Louise, but I think this is so important the point you've made, which is I completely resist being part of any cult including being part of a keto cult or an OMAD cult, right? And the whole point is that you, exactly as you've done, you've got all these tools in your toolbox and you need to be quite imaginative and quite prepared. Yeah, exactly that. So so someone in your circumstances, um, and I think OMAD is good, but I never recommend it every day because I think it becomes calorie, it just becomes another form of calorie restriction and then your body just reduces its expenditure. But it's very much about, you know, we call it precision nutrition. There are certain fundamental principles, and there aren't very many of them. Eat real food, that's a fundamental principle. Um, Don't eat ultra-processed food, that's a fundamental principle. Play with the macros to get the version that that you want. That's a fairly fundamental principle, but it's flexible. The other fundamental principle to me is look at the total micronutrients, not just the macros, right? That is actually a huge area to play in. And that's and why think, we're not in a cult. Yeah. We're in, no. these are the broad principles. Now let's work out right. what works for you. And I think it's the engineering, the individual engineering. And I yeah. really like that you, you're talking about the levers, you know, the levers, yeah. the high fat, the low fat, the higher protein, the, you know, the lower fats, you know, those, those sorts of tweaking. And through different stages, different situations, such as um, let's think about food availability. When I was living in Bangkok, you know, I couldn't, you know, I it was difficult to get good quality beef and lamb because yeah. it's mostly pork and chicken. Yeah. That doesn't satiate me. Mm. you know, as much as. So I had to get creative about I was using real principles. I was doing a lot of cooking. And if you've been to Bangkok, you know how delicious that street food is and it's cheap and it's tasty, but yep. it's cooked in seed oils. Yeah. And if I'd eaten too much, I'd go, oh, ow, that's the achy inflammation that comes from comes consuming, back. over-consuming that comes back. Yes. So we cooked. So um, Andrew and I, we'd We'd bake, you know, we would cook, I would cook, um, you know, certainly a protein and on occasion when we could access good steak or beef or or lamb, which is mostly imported from Australia um, at a cost. But, you know, we, we, we said, look, we're going to eat real food, good quality, and that obviously came at a cost. Yeah. So... Alternate day fasting works really well for you, Louise, but one meal a day doesn't, right? 
And I was eating two. I had a, I had a quite a narrow window, but I ate two meals. Yeah, yeah. So that's right for you. And, and Jackie, what's your version then? Because so you, my, you didn't get on with the alternate day fasting. No, I I was really miserable. And miserable. I did it for about nine weeks, and I didn't. I no. I think the more important thing, Louise, is I didn't feel very well. I didn't no. feel good, um, and so I stopped. And. I my general day to day is usually around 17 hours fasting. So I will tend to finish eating by 730 in the evening and then I'll go through to lunchtime, which could be one to whatever time it is. Um, I'm not far hard and fast about that. So if at 11 o'clock I feel really, really hungry, I might go and make myself some scrambled eggs. But for the most part, I would say most days I'm 17 hours. When I go open water swimming on the weekend, we have breakfast. So I eat earlier, but then I probably won't have lunch and I'll go through till supper time. Or I might have what I call like an antipasto plate mid-afternoon, which will be some salamis and cheeses and things just to get me through to supper. Um, I haven't fasted very much any longer fasts for quite a few months maybe since the end of last year but we've just done an episode which is coming out this week on levers and we were talking about because I put on some weight while I was on holiday and I've gone over my I have a a seven pound leeway that I allow myself to be in and I'd gone over it and I haven't been able to get back so it's like what am I going to change to get back to where I was and I know it's not all about the weight Hmm. but what I don't want to do is to creep back, keep yeah, going, absolutely. creeping upwards. Yeah. So um, I have just, I am currently um, 62 hours into a long fast. Oh, well done you. Yeah. So I'm going to see how it goes. I definitely want to get to this afternoon, but I might go further. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and then what I might consider bringing back is the two 40 hour fasts a week yeah. or maybe two 40 hours and a protein sparing modified fast day. I'm just playing around with yeah. things. I tend to play with things. But one of the things we've mentioned in last week's podcast is about being consistent. And I'm and like we're like we're together on this one is I am not consistently consistent. I'm very inconsistent. So I'll do something and then I'll stop and then I'll do something else. So I, I flit around. Mind you, that's not a bad thing. It, it's it, if if a combination of different op- approaches works for you, I'm all in favour of it. Except when she's consistently inconsistent, she's a bit like AF, right? So atrial fibrillation. But what <laughs> we were wanting to do was to sort of smooth her out a little bit, to yeah. do one thing to observe the scientific effect, just one lever, just for a period of time, and then move to the next one. So we didn't want her to be, you know, rapidly firing ectopic beats everywhere, which which we know that she does. But the consistently inconsistency was not getting the results. So I was trying to, Jackie, focus. Yeah, and then move to the next thing. No, that that is true. You've got to give one thing time enough to if you if you're if you're pulling too many levers at once, you've got no idea which, what's working and what's not. Correct. It's very confusing. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm kicking it off with this long fast, and then we'll see where we go next. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So I described you both as media stars, and you wrote back to me saying we're nothing of the sort. Um, um, so we'll just agree to disagree on that one and and move on, but, um, give us a flavor of who you've had on, on the podcast. Um, because you say you're about to release number hundred. I mean, I don't know how you do it. I I've made the decision. I do one a month. If I get invited as a guest, I'll do an extra, but my capacity to do that, run the three busy pharmacies and run pro longevity. I mean, it's a full-time job in itself. So the the speed at which you produce these is unbelievable. I don't know how you cope, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's I call it my hobby because uh, it, well, it's an expensive hobby because it's expensive in terms of financial terms and time terms. It's the time, isn't it? Yeah. So we just record we record them, but we often have got a a long backlog waiting to go out, and we just release them once once a week is about all I can cope with um I couldn't do any quicker than that um so some of the guests we've had we've had 
a real mixture of guests from people like us, just normal people who are living a life, uh, as Louise likes to call it, the lived experience. <laughs> and they're just showing their journey and where they've come from. And, and they're all sorts from weight loss to health reasons that they've done that from losing uh, maybe I'm, I'm get confused with stones and pounds and maybe just losing a couple of stone 20 to 30 pounds what's that in kilos 10 kilos yes. to people that have lost massive amounts like half their weight um 130 pounds um which what's that 60 kilos something yeah, yeah like 60 65 pretty yeah. much yeah. yeah um so we've had all sorts of people like that and then we've had the people that everyone will have heard of um Go on, Louise, you can do the people we've everyone would have heard oh, of. Well, it, certainly the medical professionals, you know, the, those people that both are in practice and have also had their own lived experience as well. So, you yeah. know, some of the, the great UK ones, obviously we've had um, Dr. David Unwin, um, you know, doc, as well as Dr. Jean Unwin as well. So, you know, we've, we've had Dr. Ian Lake. So all the doctors, all the doctors yeah. you can think of. Um, but, you know, we've also had some, the, the health practice, you know, the community pharmacist that likes to de-prescribe. De um, so, yeah, so all all manner of, um, you know, health professionals that are involved in, you know, in practice as well as, you know, coaching and supporting. Um, internationally, we've had uh, uh, Dr. Brian Lenskis, who else from the, the US? Oh, US. Um, Rob Sivers. Mm. Um, Philip Avadia, who's a cardiothoracic surgeon. He's a very interesting guy, Philip. I'm. Um, we kind of become fitter buddies at some point. We'd, I'm definitely going to link up with him. I've just uh, boys. For people who'd be interested, he's he's a low carb cardiologist, and his book is Keep Off My. Stay off my operating, operating off pretty table. Yeah, yeah. In other words. He's trying to prevent people needing a car an interventional cardiologist rather than encouraging people to have more interventions. Um, I've not listened to that episode yet, but it's definitely um top of my uh list to listen to. Uh, his book's at the moment available on Amazon for 99 pence. So go and grab it. Yeah, it's a really good, good book. I read that. Yeah. Um then we've we've also had um, of course, Professor Tim Noakes and Peter Bruckner. From Australia, we've had um, yep. Linda, Gary Fetke, separately. Oh, I love Gary. He's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't take himself too seriously and he's full of humour, but he's absolutely right. Yeah. So Richard Richard Morris, um, Two Keto Dudes, as well as some other Australians. Um, that was also Dan and Erica. So they're um, recipe, recipe developers um, and a great low-carb um, how low carb weight loss story for both Dan and Erica. So um shout out to Dan and Erica. So yeah, we've we've Brilliant. been, the been full um, yeah. So EU, UK, US, Australia, um South Africa. Yeah, so South Africa with Tim Noakes. So um yeah. Yeah, he's absolutely inspirational. He's such a lovely guy as well, Tim. Yeah. And we've got some coming up, some names that people will will have heard of that we're not sharing yet. Fantastic. So, um, how do you see things going forward? What do you see as the future? Do you have plans to do different stuff, more of the same? Where would you like to end up? Well, I've said to Jackie that our strategic vision, you know, our mission, vision, and values, our strategic plan is really, you know, where. We're obviously here to inspire others. You know, we're paying it forward and we're doing this obviously through obviously the sharing of the lived experiences and obviously, you know, those in practice as well. Yeah. But really this is about how we can actually help people, you know, and we're helping people through educating, you know, educating through obviously informing them that there's a different way, there's a different approach that we can, you know, help shape people's metabolic health. So that's obviously through the vehicle of the um, through the vehicle of the podcast. But you know, we want to have this uh, using marketing terms. We're wrapping around, and um, and that's where Jackie Jackie comes in with with her obviously her services. You know, her coaching services. So um, yeah, sorry to speak for you, Jackie. 
Jackie, yeah, carry on. <laughs> so, yeah, and no, I think in terms of podcast, we're, you know, we're continuing, we're coming up, we're coming up to our 100th episode, we're coming up to our second anniversary. So I think we'd like to see it through to our, at least our third anniversary, Louise. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. She's signing me up. <laughs> so I haven't, I, I thought I was on my final warning. <laughs> That's a permanent um, final but also, warning, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I'm just starting to do is some metabolic health testing and so expanding what I do with around coaching and, and being able to offer people more choices or get to know their body more intimately to know where they are on that scale of metabolic disease. Yeah. You know, are they lining themselves up for something in the future or what do they want to do now and maybe they want to make some changes now and also around getting fitter so my for myself I do quite a lot more much more than I ever did but it's about getting fitter and getting fit for life and fit for living because I want to I want to get older but I also want to be able to do things I want to be able to travel I want to be able to put the suitcase in the overhead locker I want to be able to move wipe my own butt and all these things I don't want to be sitting in a home waiting for my kids to come and visit and they won't want to come and visit because I'm sitting in a home yeah so um so for me it's about being fit for life and fit for living and so helping people do that but also myself so I'm on the journey of fitness now and creating a fitter life for myself and for my clients and I'm also, we're also, I am about to release a journal, which is coming out on Amazon um, sometime in the next couple of months called um, the Fabulously Keto Diet and Lifestyle Journal. Fantastic. So I think it's about walking, you know, not only walking the walk, you know, we're talking the talk, but walking yeah, the walk. And, absolutely. you know, there's, and I think that there's a truth, there's a truth in our message that we don't always get it right, do we, Jackie? You know, we're not 100%, you know, perfect maybe more so me but you know you know Jackie will share that you know she goes off track and she you know she goes off track on holidays and why shouldn't you you need to embrace life this needs to work around all those stresses and strains and you know occasions but we want to be able to give people strategies to for their success and but we're realistic about it. So, you know, that's, we can't live a, a, you know, a Calvin, you know, Calvinistic sort of notions of abstinence the whole way. Yeah. And we should be repenting for our sins. You know, come on, be real. You know, Jackie went on holiday, had a great time, you know, and that's, that's, that's the thing that we need to be able to, to flex. Absolutely. And, and then, accommodate. But then pay it back when success. you get home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we often you often hear banded about the the eighty twenty rule. Um, I'm probably more ninety to ninety five percent. But when I go off track, one is a set period of time, mm. and two, I have the date in the diary when I'm going to get back on plan, and and I don't go massively off. I will eat lots of things I don't normally, but I'm you know, yeah. I still keep up my um intermittent fasting period so I don't have breakfast or I might only have breakfast once or twice. Yeah. I, there's still other things in place that still limit that that excess. Yeah. No, I but think I that's think right. And, and yeah, I find now but it's it's informed. Yeah. Hundred percent it's informed. And I like saying we've just come back from Spain. Yeah, we ate more than we generally do, and we had some carbs, which we generally don't. Not huge amounts, and we didn't eat five meals a day with ten snacks in between. You know, okay. um, and now I'm back, and I'm back on it. And it's you know, you you, you can pay it back. So lot, the risk is that you just drift and drift, and it's stopping that drift, and then you end up back where you started. And it's that balance thing, isn't it? That was my caveat: is that you have to know yourself and know that yeah. you can get back to it because if you are a food addict or you you have a real problem like Louise sometimes does then she's the abstainer and I'm the moderator then then you can't you maybe you can't do that yeah you have to know yourself to know I can do that or I can't do that but but I know myself and I know that I can go away and in Spain I will always have a paella I might even have two 
in the time that I'm there. But I do know that the day after the day after I get back is when um, I'm back on plan. Yeah. And I, I, the one thing that you said that I think is so important, and you put it so well, Jack, is this is about being fit for life. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not about really anything else. And that is so fundamental. And I think, sorry, Louise, go on. No, no. I mean, I just want to sort of reinforce that Jackie's my yin to my yang, you know, and that's where knowing yourself um, and that's that's exactly two things that, you know, she's she's the moderator, I'm the abstainer. So I know that I need the accountability to be able to build in those limits and to put those hard stops of, of things such as, you know, coming back from holiday. But I think, you know, where we you're alluding to being fit for life is about what's your vision. Go back to your why. You know, what is the why? So Jackie used to say, she wanted to live to 107 so she could, you know, be the grandmother. Yeah. But a, a very fit and active grandmother yep. running after her boys, you know, grandchildren. So it gets back to that motivation, that goal, that purpose, and that needs to be everything supporting, supporting that, knowing yourself, where your limits are, where your accountability is, where your stops are. And um, yeah, and and definitely find your tribe. I think that's the thing. You got to you got to surround yourself with the with your tribe. So you know you're not doing this um, solo. Brilliant. I, I was, I think, go on. Sorry, Jackie. I was going to say that where we are in our life. So where we are, we're all, all of a similar age, give or take ten years. Um, we people don't often think ahead to what their life will be like in twenty or thirty years' time. And you tend to think that you're going to carry on as you are and be able to do all the things that you can do now in that later in life. Yeah. And we forget that if you do not look after your body now, you won't be able to do the things yeah. then that you can do now. So you really have to start setting up things for your life now because I you look around at the older people in their 70s and 80s more 80s 80s and 90s and they do not have a great quality of life yeah and i don't know about you graham because you probably see it more than us in a um pharmacy setting but it seems like we're getting sicker sooner everybody's getting sicker sooner there's overwhelming evidence of that and we're also dying younger now as well yeah so so that quality of life is deteriorating much quicker now, yeah. much earlier. So yeah. I know people in their 30s and 40s that have diabetes. That was yeah. unheard of 40 years ago. Yeah. It would have been your 60s and 70s you got diabetes. We're that seeing, might have been normal, but now normal. 40s. We're seeing diabetes now in kids, for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you really have to be strategic, as Louise says, and think about your time ahead because it's not going to be the same as it is now and even we are taking care of ourselves now we are still going to find ourselves weaker and less able to do things but that's the time when you should be living not because we've you know you hopefully you won't be working at that time and you should be able to do things but if not doing things is sitting at home on your own waiting for someone to visit that's not a life. life i completely agree yeah. No, I spend a lot of time thinking about that. And there's a, uh, as you probably know, I'm a big fan of Peter Atiyah, not everything, but he's got this fantastic um, YouTube yes. about reverse engineering, wanting to live to 100. So he works out, if I want to be fit and functional at 100, where do I need to be at each decade? And where should I be now? What do I need to do? And you yeah. might not follow it absolutely, but the principles are great. So listen, guys, this has been fantastic. I really enjoy sort of turning the tables. <laughs> um, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you'd like to raise? No, I think we've done a good overview of everything. Louise? Louise? No, we've done everything, yeah. I'm sure that we could, you know me, I can talk underwater. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what, well, obviously, good luck with the nine, no, podcast number 99 and 100. Thank you. Um, and we will link, obviously, to the podcasts and to your socials. Is there anything else that we should cover? Oh, I think we just need another invitation back, Graeme. So oh. because, you know, there's a very long list because I know for me, I'd love to know menopause. This is horrible. Yeah. How can we link um, certainly female hormones and, and diet? That would be my top number one please invite me back and we can have a talk about that sure love to
All right, listen, great to see you both. As I say, we, I almost feel like we're old friends by this stage. Um, and uh, we will keep in touch and let you know when everything's being released. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Absolutely. I've loved it. In the intro, we wished you a happy and healthy new year. But you have to put in the effort for both happiness and health. So decide now what steps you want to take in 2023 to achieve that. You might start with just a couple of small things. And here are some options for you. You could purchase the Fabulously Keto Diet and Lifestyle Journal. And this is a way you can build new habits and help yourself stick to the changes you want to see. So if you want to purchase the journal, go to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash journal. If you want more support, direction, inspiration, accountability and education, then my New Year, New Body, New You program is starting on the 3rd of February. And for more details, you can go to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash new hyphen year. And if you just want to see the show notes for this episode, then go to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash one two zero. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulouslyketo and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. <laughs>